0: Good morning, saints. Um, I trust you are all well, and we continue to trust God that what we're facing as a nation, what we're facing as a church, the church, the body of Christ, and the nations of the world, God has a solution, and we want to continue encouraging people. Let us stay at home. Let us continue supporting the government efforts. To keep everyone safe and secure. It's quite a privilege to actually be talking to the church this morning, or rather today. Um, I want to share something of the journey that I have had recently. Many people, of course, have been praying that I, you know, get out of the side effects and the aftermath of the concussion. As it were, I am good, I'm very well, and God has been good. Whilst there was concerns overall about the the physical side of things, I must say there has been a good, meaningful aspect of getting to connect with the Father in a new and a fresh way, and I want to share part of that is hopefully a word of encouragement in these times that we live in. The Bible calls these times perilous times, but as a point of departure, I actually want to read a word of assurance, a word of encouragement that is found in the book of Second Chronicles Chapter 6, these are the words spoken by Solomon at the dedication of the temple. In chapter 6 of Second Chronicles, it says from verse 3, Whilst the whole assembly of Israel was standing there, the king turned around and blessed them. Then he said, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who with his hands has fulfilled what he promised with his, with his mouth to my father, David. And I want to say to us, obviously, in my own journey, in your journey as a business person, as a married person, in the context that you find yourself, at this moment, we're surrounded by uncertainty. we surrounded, obviously we will all deal with this thing differently. However, one thing that is common to all of us, whether we be aware of it or not, is that God has given us great and precious promises, the Bible says, through which we will become partakers of his nature. But these promises are not only for when things are Good. Actually, this is the right time to remember these promises. And when you remember these promises in your context, in your space of struggle with what is going to happen with my business, what is going to happen with my children's education. I'm not a home uh, educator. I'm not... Maybe you are not even in a good space with your spouse. What's going to happen with all this stuff happening? God is still equally capable as he has always been to ensure that what he has promised to you, whether it be prophetic words, whether it be words of exhortations, whether it be words of encouragement that you have heard before, God is still capable to bring to pass what he has promised with his mouth. And So I want to Take us back to some of the people who went through tragedy. Tragedy seemed to follow them. In the book of Psalm 137, we find the story of Israel coming into exile. Now, obviously, they had disobeyed God, and now they find themselves in a place of exile. Let me clarify one thing. We don't always go through trials and tribulations because we have disobeyed God. But it doesn't matter why we find ourselves in a fiery furnace. One thing for sure that remains is that God will still work it together for our good. The question, however, is will he find us in faith when he arrives in the condition that we are Contained by or restricted by. So, the person who writes, the psalmist writes, kind of reminisce, not a good reminiscing thing, you know. But thinking back through, writing through the process and giving us the history, he says, by the rivers of Babylon we sat and wept. When we remembered Zion, what is Zion? Zion was the, 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 the it's not it just, it was not a geographical place where they were. Zion carried with it the connotation of the security of God's presence, the connotation of the security of God's power and provision. And here they are in. A place where such provision, such comfort, such security is taken away from them. He says, there on the poplars we hung our harps. In other words, our worship was challenged. We didn't find ourselves, you know, clothed with the garment of praise. Instead, we were confronted and living in a spirit of heaviness. He says, for there our captors." are... Asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing unto us the songs of Zion. The songs of victory. The songs of ascent. And obviously the conditions here did not allow. But now the question is, could these people have handled these things different. Now, we need to go back and look at the prophecy that led to this situation. In the book of Habakkuk, God speaks to Habakkuk about what will happen as a result of the disobedience, the the immorality, the flippant idolatry that is happening in Israel. He says, Behold, I will send The Babylonians. He says the Babylonians are the law to themselves and so on and so forth. Now, by the time the, the, the psalmist writes, he writes of the kind of things that the Babylonians would do. Not only do they restrict your, 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 your freedom, not only do they challenge your spirit of worship in the midst of trials, not only do they set rules for you, but he says the Babylonians may they be repaid back what they had done. May their children be taken and be crushed on rocks basically that highlights the brutality of the situation that they were faced with but when God gave these words to Habakkuk he also highlights the pride of the enemy in Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4 he says see he is puffed up His, his desires are not upright then he says but the righteous will live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Now, if, 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 you, if you consider what God is saying there. It says, what will happen? Disaster. The perilous time will come. But indeed, there will be those who survive. And what kind of people are going to survive this? He says, the just shall through their faith, not only overcome. We see the story unfolding, the reality now unfolding in Babylon. We now we, we we see the three Hebrew boys. Their faith is tested. Babylon proves to not only be restrictive, but to be fatal to hopes. To Babylon is a place where now people are faced with the reality that whatever your hope was, it can be taken in a day. In a day where you are challenged to desert your faith and come into idolatry. I'm sure many other people actually did that. They they heard the trumpet, they heard whatever the sound, they bowed, but this young man, Prove that indeed the just shall live by faith. Not to mention what happened to Daniel. Same situation. The just shall live by faith. And this phrase is repeated in different contexts. In Galatia, where people were under pressure to revert back to the law. In Romans, where the cosmopolitan life... Prejudged people to conform to materialism. In Hebrews, when the saints were under persecution, and many of them felt it's too hard to continue. In Romans chapter one verse seventeen, the just shall live by faith. Galatians three verse eleven, the just shall live by faith. Hebrews ten thirty eight, the just shall live by faith. And and so, I have shared with the church one of the challenges of our time is that in any crisis, what you overemphasize will op- preoccupy you. And what preoccupies you defines the state of your heart. Unfortunately, the state of your heart Soon becomes the outflow of your mouth. So, when we find ourselves preoccupied with fear and concern and worry, what is brewing in our hearts is counter faith what is brewing in our heart is a sense of despondency. Is a sense of wondering whether God will come through for my business, whether God will come through for my family, whether God will prove sufficient in this case, whether I will be able, what are the alternatives? But in actual fact, what we are saying is I am trading the possibility That God actually knows his consent and he has promised. And so he will fulfill what he has promised regardless of the time it takes. And so part of my journey that I want to share of the stuff that when I was going through whatever I was going through at one point... Faith was high. At one point, there was despondency. At one point, I didn't know what to do. There were few things that the Holy Spirit spoke to me that actually stirred my heart to stand up. And and these are the things that, it's practical things that I imagine many of us know. But we don't know what we think we know. Until it becomes a solution for when we need it. So number one, I had to learn in a time like this, retreat into God's presence. When you retreat into God's presence, James says, come near to God and he will come near to you. What it does or what it meant for me is that choose willingly what God chooses for you. In other words, when you find yourself in a situation that may seem undesirable, it doesn't mean God didn't know. It actually means the fact that it's happening, God knew, God allowed it, and God has a way out. But then you have to choose his way out. So in retreating into him, it means seek God. Don't so much seek God. The solution per se. Seek God. You may have your own solution, but God has his solution as well for you. The other thing that I've had to learn is that you need to overcome yourself. We all have an innate desire to rebel against way God's way of doing things. Sometimes we don't think we are rebelling. What we think is I'm trying to find a solution, which means... I don't have to ask God, this thing is my own stress. I need to sort it out. But what it does point out to is you are succumbing to a desire for self-preservation to the exclusion of God's provision for you. So in that process, Jesus says, if you try to save your life, put differently, If you try to find an alternative solution to the exclusion or the rejection of God's solution for you, you will actually lose the very battle that you are trying to win. In my imagination and in my own intimation of the stuff that one has gone through, I think the devil finds... Less formidable an opponent who's more concerned about what will happen to himself or herself. More than the one who's actually concerned that whatever I'm going through, will it bring glory to God? Whatever the outcome, am I standing in faith? So when we seek to find solutions outside God, the devil finds us less of opponent. Why? Well, it's simple. When you think about what James 4 speaks of 7, says, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from, from you. So the aspect of our spiritual authority in any context is not questionable. What is a primary spiritual battle is twofold for us. One, it's the fact that God has to take a supremacy. In our focus, in our attention, in our seeking of the solution, God is our way out. Therefore... Before we think of any solution, we think, how can I surrender to God? How can I submit to vo- God's voice? What is God saying in my situation? What is God doing? Am I willing to participate in this process? Maybe it's a process of a fire furnace. Maybe it's refining you, maybe it's strengthening you. Maybe He's preparing you for the next phase. Can you? How difficult is it for you to actually? place yourself in a submitted position to the workings of God inside of you and around you. The second thing of our spiritual battle is Jesus when he called people he didn't primarily call them first to any job. He said to them first follow me and now Follow me even before we speak of I will make you fishers of men. Follow me has a prerequisite. Jesus says if any man wants to follow me, he must deny himself, carry his cross. So if anyone wants to follow, self-denial is very important. Now self-denial is not a negation of our ambitions and what was. It's actually placing all our desires, our ambitions, and everything in the hands of God. And not allow our ambitions to lead us beyond what God has called us to do. And so, however successful we may be to this point, doesn't matter how many failures we may have gone through to this point. One thing remains is that we are called by God And we need to submit ourselves to the processes of God that will take us beyond the point of our trials. Number three, I've already alluded to. Remind yourself the promises of God. It's amazing how when we go through trials and tribulations, the very first thing we want to do is the opposite of meditating on God's word. Is worrying about our situation. Is the opposite of confessing what Paul says in in Second in Corinthians 13 that I believe, therefore I confess. And by the same spirit, we believe, therefore we confess. How do we know that we do not walk by sight? We walk by faith. Is because. What we see does not change our confession. Our confession remains steadfast on what God has promised. And, you know, there are so many nuggets we can talk. We can philosophize about the situation. We can talk conspiracy theories. We can talk everything. But when it comes to the eventual solution, the Bible says not only Many are the plans in a man's heart, but God's, God's way, God's provision, God's mind, God's will will prevail. But here's what is even more important. God says he watches over his word to perform it. And so when we don't have a word for our time, we really don't have something to An anchor for our souls. In a time like this. So. We all individually have to find it in our hearts to say. Actually. Of all that I believe. Of scripture. What do I believe. Is a promise of God. For the current situation that I'm facing. And. Can I stand in faith for that? The last thing that I want to share of that journey. It's that never wallow in self-pity. You know, we feel too much sorry for ourselves that we actually lose sight of the divine provision that stands in front of us. When you, when you get into a place where every other thing does not work, you tend to think that nothing else will. But that's typical of when we now retreat into a place of self-pity, of some condemnation, some confusion, some despondency, and even some Depression. But you know, here are funny things. When Abraham was to sacrifice Isaac, when he thought there was nothing else for the sacrifice, the ram was just there in the thicket. The Bible says, his eyes opened, he saw the ram. When the Israelites, Moses, they cried to him, he also cried to God. About the Israelites and the, and, and the Red Sea. And, and God pointed to what was already there. What is in your hand. You know? And you, you'll be surprised that in all these things, Peter was in prison. The angel was already there. All the time when we think there is nothing else. God always has something. So even in, during this time of lockdown, if you look deeper, if you get closer to God, if you listen more intently, if you look intently into this perfect law of liberty, you might just as well find what God has for you. And... You know, this whole lockdown thing indeed will affect people differently. Others, I don't know. The point is, spiritually, psychologically, emotionally, overall, we will be affected. So we also need to do what is practical. Maintain certain good routines. Practice devotional disciplines as it were. Connect through media with friends. You know, develop, establish prayer times with groups. You know, do Zoom meetings. Do what you need to do. Start a hobby. You know, they say 21 days is enough for you to develop, to learn something new, to change a habit. Start hobbies. Learn new skills. But most importantly, be aware that despite of what is apparent, we have more time to spend with God. We have more time to spend with ourselves to rest, to recuperate, to kind of lay back from the red race, to ask God for divine connections for our business, divine entrepreneurial ideas. We we are in a place now where we can connect better with our children, our families, our spouses, and actually strengthen what is feeble right now. And so... My encouragement is this. that whilst everything is stagnant to a great extent. Don't allow your relationship with Jesus to stagnate. Offer him praise in the midst of this war. Offer him worship in the midst of everything. Pray kingly prayers. Declare those things that be not. Speak the word into your businesses long before, you know, you, you resume again into the conditions that lie ahead. Pray priestly prayers. Pray for your children. Pray for the country. Stand in the gap. I just want to take this moment and pray for you. And trusting that God will encourage you beyond any ways that men can speak. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you that your word is true. Your word is life. Your word is the perfect law of liberty. You have set your word above your name, Lord. So, as your word has come upon our hearts, we trust that it shall not return to you void, but it shall indeed achieve to bring hope and, and restoration, to heal those that are sick at home, Lord. To, to, to reconstruct the businesses that are falling, Lord, to speed up and accelerate the breakthroughs out beyond the aftermath of this thing. Father, to reconstruct marriages that are broken. I thank you that as we ponder what you are doing, Lord, we can rest assured deep in our hearts that You work everything together for our good. And for those who are wondering, how am I going to get beyond this situation? There is a provision of a way out. Nothing that has come our ways individually and collectively is beyond us. I pray that you'll open our hearts, eyes and our hearts and our ears, to see to meditate and to hear your way out that when all is said and done we may be able to say you've turned our money morning into dancing again so we say not to us not to us but your name O lord be the glory in jesus name amen